you heard, been told, been taught about the concept of the Antichrist. If you have come from a more traditional, even a fundamentalist background, you were probably told a number of things. Some taken from the book of Revelation, from the book of Daniel, from the epistles of John and elsewhere, and then probably with a fiery delivery, often embellished with threat and fear on a Sunday morning. In the King James translation of the Bible, the actual word Antichrist is used about four times in First and Second John. And one can bend things a bit and read into some of Paul's writings a reference to the concept. Even some have done this with the Gospels and to the words of Jesus. The book of Revelation, by the way, if you ever hear anybody reference the last book of the Bible in a plural, the book of Revelations, um, it's a common mistake, but it is not accurate. It's actually the book of Revelation, singular. So the book of Revelation backhandedly, then, gives backhanded um, graphic uh, evidence to all the horrid things that are going to happen that throughout the years and continuing unto today is a point of unsettlement for many people, a kind of unsettled fear lurking somewhere in the back of their religious uh, training or acceptance. The final book of the New Testament makes the evil one very much a living, breathing antithesis of God, yet ultimately subject to God's power. The book of the Revelation wasn't accepted as canon until the fifth century. Its content uh, uh, was uh, not considered acceptable. <clears throat> its authorship is given to Jesus, who channeled, yes, channeled its content through the disciple John while John was on the island of Patmos about CE 90. Um, and some profess a challenge with channeled material because of what? Well, it's channeled, and it all has to be suspect, doesn't it? Realistically, please realize that between the time the revelation was recorded until it was accepted as canon in the 5th century, some 400 years had passed. The church in Rome was established along with the bishops in various other parts of Europe, and was very much into control. In the sixth century, Islam was in its beginning stages of establishing itself. So by the sixth century, the first, the second, the third, the fourth, and even perhaps the fifth ecumenical consul had been held in Nicaea, in Constantinople, in Ephesus, in Chalcedon, or Chalcedon, whichever you prefer, and again back to Constantinople. While the word ecumenical is used, please remember that there wasn't much ecumenical about the various gatherings. For then and now, the holder of the ongoing secession of the Pope was very well in control of the Roman Catholic Church, and control through fear was very much woven into its basic tenets. Hence, the content of Revelation is in question. Why? Right after it was recorded, as I said, it wasn't accepted as canon. 
but between CE 90 and then the 5th century, the document was apparently adjusted enough so now to become acceptable to be included as the last book in the New Testament. My premise is the majority of the book of Revelation, assuming it was actually channeled, given from Jesus, was remolded within a far more, to be a far more usable document that would be used to paint a grim picture of what was yet to come, uh, which would uh, yet reinforce that believers would somehow be under the protection of the church if they stayed firm within their belief. And while the ride might be challenging, the outcome would be assured. My, my premise for today's lesson is centered within the understanding that there isn't anything ultimately wrong with the unfolding universe that there isn't any cataclysmic occurrence that is going to take place be between the forces of good and what some would call the forces of evil. And furthermore, there isn't a prince of darkness, devil, the evil one, Satan, or by whatever word we care to call it. Why? Because if you can accept this logic, we can't have well-being at the root of that which we are and then have that same root of well-being have the capacity to pronounce evil upon itself. It is vibrationally impossible. The, that judging, that vengeful idea of God, as well as the insistence of the existence of something or someone just waiting to pounce upon us, is manufactured from humanity's place of deepest despair. Yet that doesn't make it real. If, however, we believe it is real, we will expect as if, and the law of attraction or the workings of consciousness, one and the same, will fulfill our belief with something that then we will interpret as a force or power outside of us that is tempting us with things that are either illegal, immoral, or fattening. Let me reinforce something this morning that has to be at the root of unity as well as at the root of our entire existence. Granted, this isn't emphasized elsewhere overly, maybe in a more traditional church where self-responsible empowerment isn't necessarily taught. But it speaks to our understanding of the very fabric of the universe and our lives. The understanding is that our nature is the nature of God or source, and it is well-being, and the synonyms of the words are also applicable. Our nature is goodness. Our nature is abundance. Our nature is life, joy, and peace, because as extensions of this one reality that we call God or source energy, such being its nature, it has to be ours as well. And all we can ever do is temporarily pinch it off a little. And these pinched off moments appear to us as challenges or sometimes even disasters within our physicality, within our finances, within our relationships with others, as well as the whole gambit of our lives. Anytime we give our power away, anytime we embrace a falsehood and elevate it to a belief only then to allow it for us to be a truth. Anytime we do this, 
we now set the stage for the equivalent uh, experience of Jesus' parable as he told of the house built upon sand and the house built upon rock. For the winds of challenge will blow. Why? Whatever we hold as a truth becomes a cornerstone of the vibrational signature we are offering to the universe that neutrally assumes that we know best and then orchestrates all vibrationally aligned components that are aligned to our asking to then rendezvous with us as our life experience. So can you imagine what is stirring around within us if we truly believe there is something equivalent to Satan or devil that is constantly seeking to worm its way into our very lives that will cause bad things to happen? Now let's bring the Antichrist into the mix. In reality, there isn't one. Although, if you search, there is a website that goes into all kinds of explanation why Prince Charles is the Antichrist. <laughs> Go figure. What about the beast that is spoken to in the Revelation? You know, the numerical name that caused the government to rename a certain highway that stretched north from I-10, from U.S. 666 to U.S. 191? How many here, no hands, came from a religious persuasion that believed that there is the beast? Call it the devil or Satan, whose name is 666 and who is alive and well and not someone you would ever invite for dinner. Again, the revelation. Remember, like Daniel, the revelation is an apocryphal writing, meaning it was a writing that used symbols prolifically to disguise a message that would not otherwise be tolerated by the government if spoken to in plain, in that case, Aramaic. Such was probably the intent of the original document. So what about good old 666? Aramaic, Hebrew, and similar semantic languages have a unique aspect that each letter has a numerical equivalent. If we take the number 666 as the goal and then look for names whose numerical equivalent match, we would find the name Nero Caesar. Uh, let's get a slide up. You can see the Aramaic spelling of the name Nero Caesar is represented. And then as we assign the numerical value to each letter, we come up with 666. So what was it? An apocryphal warning. Um, uh, and why should we be surprised if indeed this came from Jesus? What is it? An apocryphal warning to stay clear of this person who would soon be on the world stage, if possible, not the revealing of the evil one whose name was that number. My, haven't we taken that in a different direction generally? This information was part of the experience 
that I had as a student minister at Unity Village in the mid-60s. As my class, there were seven of us, and we called ourselves the Magnificent Seven, yes. A little slow there, a little slow this morning, of which I am really the last of the Mohicans in an active ministry, and one of three, I believe, yet in this dimension. My class had a year of study with George Lamza, whose native language was Aramaic, and who translated the Bible from ancient scrolls that in about 1918 he brought with him from a place in northern Syria where historians thought that his tribe was extinct. He then received formal education in the United Kingdom and then in the United States prior to his translating the Bible and writing his commentaries. It was a very good year for my class uh, as part of what he shared and taught had not only to do with the history of the Bible but an awareness of the Aramaic idioms that are richly found throughout the Bible, which, if not understood as idiom, skew the meaning and the content. George Lamza knew his Bible. His translation has over 10,000 differences from the King James and actually states, it sort of, un, it sort of pulls my lesson apart this morning, but actually states that Antichrist is a mistranslation in the first place, that it actually should translate as false Christ. Over the years, he came to Tucson three or four times and spoke for us. Prior to his passing, he gave me a first edition leather-bound copy of his translation of the Bible, which is, which is meaningful to me. So what about the Antichrist or the false Christ? If there is but God, and if all the other names given to consummate evil, the beast, Satan, devil, Beelzebub, and more, then they are but fictitious players in a trumped-up screenplay that many have bought into. In fact, many have the equivalent of season tickets, so that they now have reinforced over and over again a belief that they allow to become for them a truth that is played out over and over again, that insulates them from even a whiff of self-responsibility. For now, there is always something or someone lurking outside of them that convinces them to do something that is not acceptable. The motion picture notwithstanding, I didn't see it, and I'm sure I won't. Is there an Antichrist? Yes, but not as classically defined. And it isn't Prince Charles. Before we can define the concept of false Christ or antichrist, we have to understand the primary word or Christ. If you are familiar with what unity teaches and expresses, then forgive me for bringing coal to Newcastle this morning, but hopefully along with it a little more insight. The Apostle Paul caught sight of perhaps the periphery of the idea Next slide, please. When he said, Christ in you, your hope of glory. Let's click forward. And this morning, I will paraphrase it and say, um, uh, Christ in you, your assurance of glory. And once more, I will have it morph, and I will say further, Christ as you, 
your assurance of the awareness of spiritual grandeur and magnificence, for this is who and what you are. Within unity's understanding, Christ is a word that describes a level of conscious awareness of one's eternal connectivity with the true nature of the God source energy that they, we, you are. Hence, anything we do to diminish, constrict, or thwart this awareness in performing its transformative, transformational wonder throughout our whole being and world, that's the only Antichrist that we could ever experience. Whenever we deny the truth of who and what we are, we in that moment are playing the role of the Antichrist. Whenever we disallow the eternal energy of life to establish physical vitality and wellness in our bodies, we in that moment are playing the role of the Antichrist. Whenever we buy into the thought of lack and not revel in the universe that knows it not in that moment, we are playing the role of the Antichrist. Whenever we embrace absolutely anything that ends up with our feeling any degree of unhappy emotion, we in that moment are playing the role of the Antichrist. Now, see, no one can pinch off the energy flow to us, through us. No one can pinch off anything for us. No one can stand in the way of what is held firm within our consciousness. No one can get into our vibrational signature and mess with it unless we vibrationally identify with another's pronouncement, with another's belief, with another's truth, and make it our own. For remember, we can make absolutely anything a truth in our lives. I believe that one who stays predominantly tuned in and tapped in and turned on into their or to their higher God self, hence uh, sidestepping such things as pettiness and judgmentalness and all their second and third cousins who most of the time remains within this focus, tuned on to a place of knowing and trust that they are immune from all the crapola that is generated by those who know not and know not that they know not. This isn't to say that there will never be bumps in the road, but you know, like a cork that is overcome by a wave temporarily and soon pops up to the surface, such will be our experience as well. Unless, of course, we, for whatever reason, choose to embrace another's concept of belief or truth and make it our own, hence putting the awareness of the power of unlimited good that is our true God-given self on the back burner of our life. Hence, temporarily, we become we experience, we play the role of our own Antichrist. Now let's be aware that even in these moments of Antichristing, even in these moments when we are making choices from misalignment with our source or from a prolonged focus on what we think is wrong, even when we make choices that don't result in well-being, that is only temporary. Number one, because we, even in our most misaligned state, we are still pure God source energy and as such, always held within an envelope of love, 
you won't go to a non-existent hell for exploring antichristed moments in your journey. Then number two, because with understanding we will now make different choices that establish a stronger base within our lives that begins to accept a higher comprehension of our God identity that then allows us to be more in a cooperative component state with all of the good that is ours, physically, emotionally, financially, and in every which way. Thinking that we are only human and here somehow to earn the love and blessings of God is in effect an attempt to play the role of an antichrist in our own life. We are the extensions of the very energy that is God or source itself and we need to prove nothing to no one. Remember, Christ is a word that describes a level of conscious awareness of one's eternal connectivity with their true nature or this God source energy that they, you, I, we already are. We are operating from this level whenever the choice is made to love, to extend acceptance, to revel in what is right, not to look for what is wrong. We are operating from this level whenever we give up blame toward another for our own well-being and accept self-responsibility. Having an antichrist experience is always accompanied with feelings that really don't leave us warm and happy with warm fuzzies and our world full of appreciation for the many things that bless us. Hence, we, I trust, more and more will look to this as a clue to again consciously return to an activity as well to begin with the decks cleared of all belief that there is something other than the one presence, one power. There is only God. And because there is only God, then this can be the only thing existing at the core of who and what you are. Knowing this is to no longer cower behind a thought that your connectivity must go through another or that your future is in doubt or jeopardy because of something said or left unsaid or done or left undone. And while we are at it, it's in the same ballpark, the final judgment isn't a something to happen at a future date. The final judgment is the only judgment that was placed upon us in those first non-recorded moments prior to the beginning of time itself as we became aware of ourselves as extensions of pure God source energy. And nothing has changed since then. You are, as the energy of God source extended you, whole, perfect, wonderful, and free. And nothing can change that. Right? Bless. Bless.